to Stolen Our Hearts, the podcast about ferrets and other exotic pets. Today I have a special guest. We have Scarlett again, the owner of Houdini, the awesome rabbit that I talked about in a previous episode. As she mentioned, she does work with the pet industry and Instagram, so I'm getting her to come in and give us some tips on how we can help our pet industry businesses. I know that I have some followers who are in t- who are in the pet industry, like myself. Um, so I'm hoping to pick her brain using the questions I've got from uh, followers on Instagram and on Facebook. Just a reminder that if you join the Facebook page or my Instagram, often I ask questions and you get to answer them or you get to ask questions of experts. So that's a good reason to join us. So here she is. <laughs> um, so yeah, very excited about talking to you again. Would you mind reintroducing yourself just so people know um, who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Scarlett Shuplot. Uh, I am a social media marketer and content marketer for people in the pet industry. So any type of pet professional, whether it is a pet store or a brand or an influencer, um, anyone in the pet area I work with, um, mm-hmm. either by managing social media accounts, managing blogs, or uh, coaching and consulting in, in either those areas as far as digital marketing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you mainly use Instagram, is that right? Or I do, do you use other focus, things too? I do mainly focus on Instagram. Uh, I'm uh, perfectly willing to work in other uh, accounts as far as Facebook. Oh. A lot of those can go a long way. Um, but I believe in the pet industry, Instagram is the most powerful platform as far as social media goes. Okay. Um, so I've got some uh, listeners who are in the pet industry. Uh, some have rescues that they're running. Uh, some make things for pets. Some make things for pet owners. Uh, some would like to be influencers. And I've got a podcast so, <laughs> um, in the pet industry. Uh, so we're really hoping that you can help us with some advice and get some little insights into what you can do for us or some tips on what we can do for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I'll start off with some of our questions, but hopefully, um, you can just chuck your own thoughts in as well. Um, so one of the top questions was what's the best way to get more followers, especially ones that are actually interested in what the person offers? Absolutely. So this is a little different depending on what platform you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. specifically, which in my opinion is the easiest way to go about it is you can actually run paid ads that are two people who are most likely to be interested in what you sell or what services you have available. So you can Mm -hmm. say you're, uh, um, let's say you're a dog walker. You can target two people who have interests that are typically interest only a dog owner would have and your people, and you can even target to your specific area so that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can physically go walk with dogs. Um, Okay kind of the easiest way uh, when it comes to a platform like Facebook. Unfortunately, not all platforms have that option. Instagram specifically does not give you the Mm. run and ad specifically with the goal of gaining more followers. Uh, So that is a much more organic approach. And for me, uh, the most, the the, uh, activities that I get the most results from is just getting out there and actually engaging with other people. Go Mm. out there and find someone who would be a good follower, who would be a good client for you, 
and, in, and talk to them, comment on their posts, follow them, like their posts, maybe send them a direct message if there's something that's relevant for that. Um, mm-hmm. I really recommend making sure that whatever you do, it's authentic. Uh, don't yeah. fall into the temptation of spamming people, leaving a comment just to tell them to come look at your page, leaving them a DM just to tell them to go follow you. Make sure mm-hmm. that you are coming from a place of giving, of wanting to make a genuine connection uh, and not from a place of, you know, just wanting to ask them to follow you. Yeah, that's uh, quite helpful because that was one of the other questions, which was how to avoid seeming like a spammer because um, the world of um, Instagram has so many scammers and spammers. So my listener was worried about how to best collaborate with established pet brands and influencers. So making a connection um, because she feels like she's getting ignored or um, she can't break into um, the industry, I guess, by getting any buyers because she feels like she's just spamming. So um, that's really good point. Um, I think making um, genuine connections one person at a time, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. Is that right? That can especially be more difficult if you are a, a branded on your account. Like if you're coming from the perspective of it's not an account with your name and face on it, it's an account mm. and logo, it can be much harder to get people to see you as a person that they're talking to and not see you as, as spammy. But in those connections are, is where you want to do that. So when you're commenting on something, don't just connect it to your brand. Don't promote your products. Don't ask them to follow you. Talk to them about their posts that they made. If they have caption that's meaningful and ask a question, answer the question that they ask. Mm-hmm. Um, take, actually read their caption and talk about what that is or talk about what the photo is. Um, avoid the really generic comments that you could put the same comment on 10 different photos mm-hmm. to where you're actually taking the time to have a conversation. Um, and a lot of people get frustrated with this because it does take longer and there will be a lot mm. who never reply to that comment or never come look at your page. But that's where, that's the extra effort that you have to put in if you don't want to come off as spammy. Yeah. Um, especially, especially if you're coming from a branded, a company brand and not a personal brand. Um, mm-hmm. And doing it either way, but it is, uh, people do business with people. So it is actually a lot easier to Um, grow your account and get that response if you have a more personal brand. Um, Like, for example, if you go look at my Instagram account, it's not branded to for social with a logo. It's branded Mm. Charlotte Shuplot. It has my picture and it's me talking. It's not my brand talking. Mm -hmm. That that does help in making that personal connection with people because they know they can picture the face and the name of who they're actually talking to. Mm -hmm. So, um, Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say that um, you do have to put in that extra effort, though, to not be um, to not be spammy and never talk about your want what you want from them when you're on their page commenting on their stuff. Mm -hmm. So they'll just come to you by curiosity. Is that right? Or quite often. Um, I mean, there's also other ways to get people to see your content more. There's different strategies and what kind of content you're putting out, what you're writing in your captions, what hashtag you're using that's going to increase the number of people that see what you post. Mm-hmm. But when you're getting people to follow you, it's also a big part of it is 
how you're interacting with them. And then they're going to come look at your content and your mm-hmm. what you want to do your selling, your stories, your posts, uh, maybe about 20% of the content you put out should be sales and promotional content. Uh, okay. But not more than 20% and not when you're interacting on other people's pages. All right. So, um, an example. I'll use myself as and as a ah, myself as an example. Um, so I've got a photo of myself on a few of the posts. Um, I am branded, but I post about my own pets and sometimes my own life. Um, but I do post things about the podcast itself, and I've noticed other people doing similar things with their ferret business pages or pet business pages. Is that the sort of thing that would be correct, or um, do we need more personal things? Or that is going to be actually a slightly different answer for everyone. Right. Exactly how personal of a brand you want to put out, and how many people are involved in your company, because. Mm. For someone that's our size, where it's just us or it's a very small team, the more personal content feels like more of a match. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for our followers to feel like they're getting to know us on a personal level to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if you're running a retail store, you don't necessarily want everyone to be focusing on what you as the owner do in your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. The... The parallel to that is instead you can give them a more behind the scenes look at what's happening in the store. Mm. You can give them actual photos and videos of your employees um, or the people that come into your store, maybe a video of, you know, a store employee giving a dog a new treat that you just started carrying and Mm -hmm. featuring your customers by doing that. That's Mm. the side of it for a bigger business that's not focused around one person. Um, and I think that is a good way to go, kind of go a little bit more behind the scenes and show your store versus more stock photos or things that anybody could grab marketing materials for. Mm. Um, however, for people like us or for influencers, that personal look of understanding that it is centered around one person or even a few people on a team, um, people do like that behind the scenes look. But mm. I also caution to keep most of your content talk about what you're there what they're there to hear you talk about so for example you and I our lives center a lot around our pets but there's other stuff going on like yeah we don't you know people who follow your podcast they want to hear about what's going on with the podcast and they want to hear about exotic pets yes necessarily there people who follow me they want to hear about you know, how to do online marketing for the pet industry. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily care about what I'm doing, you know, with my friends tonight. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. care about my D&D group <laughs> on my <laughs> social media page. But mm-hmm. um, there are some things that come up that people who follow me, even as a professional, do still kind of like the behind the scenes. Like when I got engaged last February, I did make one post about that. Now, on my personal page, you got a lot more than one post. Yeah. <laughs> my business pages, I did make one post about it. And a lot of the people who follow me um, specifically to learn about Instagram were still the people who were commenting the most on that, talking about how you know happy they were for me and things like that. Mm. So the amount of, of personal information that's unrelated is totally fine. But I would try to keep the main thing the main thing uh, if you have a personal brand, because 
they want to get to know you, but they still, people who want to know me through that page still want to know me as the, their marketing expert, not necessarily their D&D geek or (laughs) their Magic the Gathering judge. Those are other parts of my life that I could talk about forever, but they're not really related to why they're following me there or what they want to hear from me there. Mm. That's... um... I think a really good point. Uh, I just want to go back to something else. I can't remember exactly what we said, but um, posting personal sorts of things, but not too personal. Does that mean that um, something someone's concerned about here is their own personal attractiveness? Like, do they have to be looking a certain way to be accepted on Instagram or as a salesperson like um if they're I don't know not wearing makeup or overweight or whatever like they're actually concerned about how people are going to judge them online and so they're not wanting to show their face or yeah I'm so glad glad somebody has asked about that so the short answer to that is be yourself be authentic Mm -hmm. And if you don't wear makeup every day and you don't necessarily want to put on makeup just to do a photo for Instagram, mm. put on makeup. If you're a dog walker, wear what you wear and put on whatever amount of makeup you put on when you go walk the dogs. Like yeah. look like you look when you're taking photos of yourself walking the dogs. Don't get dressed up because you know you're going to have a camera out today. You don't mm-hmm. feel if now if that gives you the confidence to do it and makes you feel better about it, do it for yourself. Yep. Don't ever feel like you're, you're not in the beauty industry. You're not in, you're, you're not trying to sell makeup. You're not trying to sell clothes. If you're in the fashion industry or something like that, that may be a slightly different answer, but yeah. people are not following you because of how you look. Mm-hmm. Idea is they're following you to see how you treat the dogs that you take on your walks. They're following right. you to learn, learn the recipes. If you're, you know, a dog bakery and you're sharing that. Mm-hmm you because they want to hear the unique story of you and your pet if you're an influencer um Mm -hmm. think of what the reason that they are what your ideal person what is drawing them to your account what is the Mm -hmm. reason they are following you what is the content they are here for and if that is not beauty or fashion then what you look like does not matter um that's fantastic (laughs) very good to hear (laughs) yeah absolutely now I'm the type of person that like you're more likely to, you're going to see some photos and, and videos on my account where my hair's not done and my makeup is not done, but Mm -hmm. know ahead of time, I'm going to do like record an hour long video for one of my channels or for my membership. Sure. I might bother to do my hair and put my makeup on. Um, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that I do it all the time. Yep. I do. Even if you are someone who feels like you want to do that, um, there's nothing wrong with that either. Whatever mm. gives you confidence and what makes you feel like you're happier with the end result is what you should do. And you think that um, followers or whatever can feel that. So that's good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, especially, especially if it's, if that is keeping you from putting out content, don't ever mm. get in the way. I have, even myself, I have times where it's like, I need to record these three videos, but I want to, you know, get my hair done first, or I want to, you know, I want to put on a lot of makeup for this and I'm not in the mood to go through the makeup mm-hmm. set. So I'm just going to use it as an excuse to not make the content. That's where 
where I absolutely would say to push past it and just put the content out because if you're trying to get everything perfect and that's one more hurdle to your perception of perfect, it will never get done to the point that mm-hmm. it you should always, uh, the term is that, that I've used, my mom was the one I learned it from. I think, I don't know who wrote whatever book she learned it from, but, um, done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. Is the mantra that we live by. I like it. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast who was saying that um, she aims for C plus instead of an A all the time because at least then it's done. So I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, there's a plus variation that's a little bit different than that. That's uh, also another thing my mom used to tell me when I was younger, which is shoot for the moon. And then even if you fail, you land among the stars. Yeah, so I like that too. <laughs> you can have a goal that's up there. You don't necessarily, your goal doesn't have to be subpar, but realize that as you are achieving that goal, not every piece has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Always polish something later and get it out now. Cool. So that leads to another question, which is the attractiveness of photos on uh, social media. Um, so say you're selling uh, ferret hammocks um, and you take a photo of the hammock and it's just you holding the hammock or something. Um should we be getting um, better photos or better uh, photography skills or better lighting or whatever, or is like, is that going to make much of a difference or um, is it a learn as you go thing? <laughs> I do think that um, again, if it's between taking a photo yourself or not having the photo go out at all, the photo yourself. Yeah. Um, that being said, once you get to a point where you have either the time to learn to do it yourself or the budget to hire a professional photographer, I do believe, especially in the line of um, when you're promoting products, then mm-hmm. having the time to get those professional photos taken is going to be worth it because that may be what stands out between you and your competitors in terms of mm-hmm. them picturing the product in their own home. Um, mm. Especially when it comes to getting really good photos or videos of the end customer, whether that's your pet or the pet owner using the product, Mm -hmm. then that is going to be really good too. So a picture of a dog harness laying on my table is not going to perform as well on, let's say a website that's got listing or maybe even on social media Mm -hmm. form as well as even that harness on a white background. Yeah. that's not going to perform as well as that harness on a dog in a very clean professional photo. Um, Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind for sure. If you are in any way, a, a, either a product um, designer that has a brand and you're trying to get into pet stores or you are a pet store trying to promote this product, um, it is worth it to get a professional photographer um, or an alternate route for that is to get some really good influencers who you like the quality and the style of their photos and work with them um, because not only are you going to get good photos, but then you also get in front of their audiences. So it's like you're getting so a good photo shoot and an ad at the same time. And that usually mm-hmm. you know how to find the right people can come in at a better price. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
that's definitely a good point getting some other people to model it for you I like that too um so when it comes again it's another question someone's asked is if say they run a rescue so having good photos of the animals or um their setups or anything like that um that would help get um I guess more people aware of their rescue and adopting the pets as well, I suppose. Um, is that yes, correct? Like absolutely. the set of photos? So that is actually something that is really near and dear to my heart. I do a lot of volunteer work in that area um, in helping shelters get better photos of their animals and put mm. their social media presences where they can um, get that photo out there to more people because it has been proven over and over that um, a better quality photo can be the difference between an animal getting adopted or not from a rescue or a shelter. Mm. Um, so having that really cute, really well-focused photo uh, on a clean background does make a big difference. If you have anyone in your area that can volunteer, that's maybe a photographer who loves animals. Um, I've organized some of that. If you even just have a person who is not a professional photographer who is willing to take the time to just set up a nice clean background and um, take the animals out of their cages and put them there and take some photos of them, you can get a much better image than what you see a lot of shelters put out, which really looks like someone snapped one photo on their camera of the dog still yeah. and ran with it. Um, mm -hmm. I understand 100% when that's what happens because the shelters are so busy. These rescues mm -hmm. have so much to do and they're usually very understaffed or underfunded or both. But this really is something that can make a difference in the rate of adoption and how quickly animals get adopted in your area is just having a really good photo that captures their personality. That's a good representation of them. Um, and that's actually one of the things I've done. If anyone um, wants to contact me with any of the information that we put in the show notes, then um, I would happily uh, try to find uh, someone in your area that can um, come take photos for you. And either maybe sometimes people will do it as a volunteer work or at a discount. And then sometimes I, I have a fun set aside for, uh, I haven't started it yet, but I want to start a nonprofit that actually does this um, to come help get better photos of the animals because it really is a a much bigger difference. And it's just people, it's what's just like the quality of the graphics and the images you put out for your company. It's what's mm -hmm. the scroll. Um, and it's what's going to get people to really feel connected with that, you know, dog or cat specifically, because it's a great photo. And especially on that same line, aside from just photos, the caption makes a difference too. Um, mm. oh. Like the, <laughs> the huge difference between like, uh, this is a two-year-old gray tabby that was found here on Thursday and is heartworm free versus, hi, meet Yoda. He's super playful and uh, absolutely hates tuna or something like that. So like talking about them with their personality, talking about them in a way that makes them um, alive to the person mm -hmm. who photo is going to get your animals adopted much faster. And sure, mm. include that other information at the end if you think it's important to tell them whether or not they're heartworm positive or how old they are and all that stuff. But the most important part is like 
making me understand why I want this cat over uh, the other cats. Why do I want mm-hmm. a dog versus any other dog? Mm. Um, I've noticed that in the ferret um, rescues I'm involved with or know of, the ferrets get adopted quite fast because they're not very common as pets. Um, so they can get away with um, uh, at the photography level that they're at. But would the better photography help maybe with fundraising or um, helping them with their, I don't know, just um, getting more help and attention from the public? Is that something that's important as well? Like if the animals are getting adopted just fine but they need to um, perhaps definitely, with fundraising? <laughs> it definitely could. Um, anything that, honestly, if it's going to get, better engagement, even if that just means more likes, Mm -hmm. then that means everything's going to be better because you're going to have more people see your content. And that's kind of the goal here for any rescue or shelter, really for anyone in the media, but especially for for those, because the more people see your content, the more people have the opportunity to know that you are an organization they might be interested in donating to, because if Mm -hmm. they don't exist or they don't have you top of mind they know you exist but they haven't seen your content in a while then they're not going to think about you when it comes to donating Mm -hmm. but content is constantly coming across their feed and they see all these great photos of the ferrets playing or photos of the people who've just adopted a new ferret Um, then all of that is going to um, make you be top of mind so when it you come across with a post that says, you know, here we need a donation for this reason, they may be more interested in donating because they feel more connected. Um, More again with the behind the scenes stuff, just talk about what's going on at the shelter from day to day and talk about, you know, um, show pictures of the ferrets playing together or the dogs outside when they're playing together and not just photos of the ones who need adopting, but also just the day-to-day life at the shelter. What is it you're doing to make their lives as good as you can while they're here? Uh, who, who has come by recently? Like, who has been adopted out? Like, a lot of times you see shelters, they're only posting the ones who need adopted, but you really feel uh, a little bit more, I don't know what the right word for it is. I guess it's more interesting when you also see the photos of the guy who just got adopted. Yes. Uh, and, and the family that just adopted their first ferret and they're so excited or they or this pair that came in together that we were worried about got adopted together. Like those are the stories that also make people they see the result of where their donation donations are going. And that is also mm. really helpful in um, getting more attention for people. Mm. Yeah, um, I think that should be really useful information for some people. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so once people have seen the imagery, <laughs> um, how do they convert um, likes and follows and things to sales or, in my case, listeners? <laughs> right. Like what so, would they be doing or donations if it's a rescue? Right. So there's two big things. The, the two biggest mistakes I see people making when it comes to actually making conversions on social media mm-hmm. is they're asking too much or they're not asking enough. Oh, asking too much would be the people who every single post is a sales post 
or mm. a post of some kind. Every single post made that this store makes is then promoting a product or trying to get you to buy something. Every single post that this rescue makes is asking you to adopt one of the animals, um, mm-hmm. showing you an, a new animal up for adoption. Whereas in reality, you want to try and limit, like as a store, for example, your straight sales posts need to be around 20%. And then the rest can be education, engagement, something that evokes emotion, uh, kind of the three E's of engagement um, is, you know, educate, entertain, or something emotional. Um, Okay. And that is where the rest of your content should kind of focus on for a for a rescue, um, I believe really the best way to do that would be that behind the scenes content, that um, you know, content about the ones who have been adopted or pictures of the people who've just adopted. Um, any information, maybe for example, if you are a ferret specific rescue, information about ferrets in general. What is it like owning a ferret? What do I need mm-hmm. ready the day I bring my ferret home? What like what should I have set up in my home to have it ready for them? Um, mm-hmm. why should I not adopt a ferret? What are some mm-hmm. reasons that maybe a ferret isn't a good fit for me? What are some reasons a ferret is a good fit for me? These are educational pieces that you can work together that, um, really tie in well and serve the person who's following your rescue, but aren't asking them for anything. It's providing mm-hmm. value, but it is also kind of subconsciously training someone mentally who is considering a ferret to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're posting your your value uh, given, sorry, your value-filled post, does it make a difference if it is like a nice graphic or should it be a photo or should the information be in the description or on the image itself or what makes a difference? Anything or... It, it can depend a lot on from post to post. It can be a little bit different. Um, I think that there are some posts where putting some amount of text on the image itself can be helpful because it, mm-hmm. someone scrolling through, they see a picture of a dog. They yep. don't necessarily know, well, this is actually a, a blog post about how to train your dog not to pee in the house. Mm-hmm. If they don't stop and read the caption, which a lot of people won't do, then they won't know that. So mm-hmm. if, a blog post, I might put the title of the blog post on the image. Um, But that being said, I wouldn't recommend putting a whole lot of text on that front image. One way you can get around this on Instagram is the carousel posts. Uh, These are really, really great posts for sharing information is you put little to no text on the first image, maybe just a title or some, or a question on the first image. And then the following images each have the information. Like if it's uh, maybe five reasons your dog pees in the house, then Mm -hmm. can be five pictures behind it that each give one of the reasons and a little bit of information. Now, Mm -hmm. keep in mind that most people are looking at this on their phone screen. So we want the image to have no more than a few sentences. So we don't want it to be too small that it's hard to read. And you Mm. can provide much longer descriptions in the caption or even direct them over to read a blog post on your website. Um, So you still don't want to overfill them with information, but you want to give like the skimmers version in the image if you're in a carousel. And that's one good way to do um, 
to do carousel posts. Hmm. Um, you can also do videos where you're talking about um, you're talking about, let's use the same topic, you know, five reasons your dog might be in the house. And let's say you do a reel, which is gonna need to be, you know, roughly 30 seconds long, probably. You could even do it 15 seconds, just depending on how deep you wanna go into it. Mm -hmm. um, but the best way for me to do this is to, uh, let's say you do a reel and you put the title on it. And then you also put the five reasons throughout the course of it, whether you're pointing to different areas on the screen or you're showing a pictures of five or videos of five different dogs or something like that, um, whatever the transition is, just put like the headlines of what those five reasons are. So mm -hmm. if we were converting it from a blog post, five reasons is the topic. And then each headline of each paragraph is gonna be one of those five reasons. So just put the headlines mm -hmm. on your video and then in the caption or in the blog post on your website, you actually tell them the details. Okay. And then and people do click through that, do they? It, yeah. So if I'm looking at a video and I say, you know, um, it, like maybe a video I would make might be five tools to use um, for your social media management. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I just, point to different parts of the screen and I say, well, I use Airtable and I use Metricool and I use Google Sheets or whatever. You know what those tools are, but what do I use them for? You're creating enough curiosity that they then click in and, and look at the caption. And then mm. what it is, if, um, if you also have a blog post on your website, you can create the curiosity to send them over to your website. But I definitely need to learn website, this. <laughs> if you don't have a blog that you're promoting, then you can just talk about it in the caption itself. And um, this is something that a lot of people call microblogging, where you basically write mm. a blog, but you make it short enough that it fits into your Instagram caption. Um, so it's like a mini version of a blog post. It's obviously not as long, but it's there. It's designed to have them take the time to actually read the whole thing. So that's where your carousel or your video is going to draw in that it's, that's what's there to stop them scrolling and get them interested and curious enough to actually read your caption. Hmm. And then you could do the same thing for the podcast, for example. If you want to drive them over to listen to the podcast, you can tell them, you know, we talked about, you know, X number of different things or different tips for social media management. Um, you know, here's the topics, but not the actual description not the answer to the question of how is this a tip how is this useful so that they can mm -hmm. listen to actually learn you've told them what they're going to learn and then they have to come over to actually learn hmm. so if um someone was selling something um so it could be i don't know how to make your ferret happy <laughs> and you might click onto their website later on which has um an item to buy would that be a good way to get people to buy items or is it more to get people to read things uh a little of both it just depends uh so for example if you're using the if you have written uh a long post about something then it may be you know what makes this product different from the other products on the market that are similar to it. Mm -hmm. 
what's different about the uh, what, what's different about this style of harness versus others that are available? What's different mm-hmm. about this dog food? Why is this supplement better than that one? Um, then that obviously is going to be designed to convince them that this product is better. And the fact that you happen to sell this product, you can link over to the sales page. Um, but you can also go farther as just, um, Oh my gosh, sorry. And, and client stories are really good ways. If you're promoting products, um, you know, everyone's going to always put a certain amount of belief behind something that I write about something I sell. There's only so much, like, of course I'm promoting it. Of course I like it because Mm -hmm. I'm selling it. So of course I want you to buy it. So when you can actually get previous customers and clients, either to give you a testimonial or depending on what your industry is, you just tell the story of how your services help them. Um, either one of those can be very, very valuable because they show how someone else has been helped by your service or how someone else loves your product or how your supplement saved this other dog in a similar situation to yours. Um, Hmm. Those are very, very helpful when you're looking at selling products or services. So taking the time, um, like for me, I don't even like, I'm very hands-on with what's happening with my clients. So I know pretty much if I work for you for six months, I know how many followers and what your engagement was when you started. And I know what it was when you ended. I can write that story by myself. Mm. If not, if you're someone who sells a product, then you're reliant a little bit more on the people actually taking the time to leave a testimonial or review. If you sell on Amazon, for example, keeping an eye on the reviews that come in there can be very helpful because you can share those on your Instagram account. Um, And you can just make a nice graphic and type out that review instead of just uh, screenshotting the Amazon review. But even if you just screenshot the Amazon review and keep a highlight folder of those that you've been sharing to your stories, that's still something that's very helpful because the more that that social proof is extremely helpful when you're trying to sell a product. Mm. Because I can tell you all day long that... um, I keep going back to harness, but I can tell you all day long that my harness is more comfortable or my harness is better for whatever reason. But other people who bought my harness and then said it was better is going to be much more powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so someone who is selling some things, um, she sells on Etsy and she's tried on Shopify and she's had to spend way too much on ads and funnels to get to um, any sort of um, result. So using Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, should she be selling on a different platform or is it about how she's advertising? Like she could be advertising on Instagram or something instead like can you sell on Instagram itself or do you have to um like lead to your website um what would be the best option you can actually do either one um if you're already well established on a website like Etsy I would recommend linking over to it um okay and if you're selling physical products I highly recommend setting up an Instagram shop 
um, because that button is going to make it much more, um, a, a much easier experience for your consumers. Mm. See a photo, it'll make it to where it's just, I see a photo of a product that I really like. I click, 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 and I can purchase it without having to leave Instagram and then type in a uh, type in a URL to go find that product or go Google that product or search it on Etsy that takes out all the guesswork. And I can just click, click through the buttons that lead me directly to the sales page for that product. Mm-hmm. I never really noticed the um, Instagram shops today. I'm not very good with Instagram yet. So um, this is good. Um, yeah, they're very, now you do fit, you, you can only use them for physical products. You can't use right. Or something I sell, or like if you're a dog walker, you can't use them to book your services. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. shops are designed specifically for physical products. But yep. if you have those, then you can absolutely um, set that up. And another thing that makes it really nice is you can link a post to a specific product that is in the post. So you basically tag the product the same way mm. you tag a person. And when you do that, that makes that post clickable over to the product that you want to sell. And that oh, that's good. gives you the potential to somewhat turn your Instagram feed into a catalog of all of mm. your products. Now, I highly recommend um, using model shots for this. When you're posting on Instagram, you're going to get much better, better results if your dog hoodie is on a dog than if it's on a mm-hmm. hand on a white background um but you're still these are still shots that you want to show off the product as much as possible when it's a post where you're wanting to people to you're wanting to link it to that product so people can click over because you also want to make sure that they know which which thing in the picture they're clicking over to buy because i have a dog who's in my hoodie but there's also another like there's me in the picture and i'm in a t-shirt that i also sell then which one of us, which item is it that I've got linked? So for the photos that you're doing that, you want to use one that really heavily highlights or features one over the other, where like the dog's in front of me or I'm the bigger person in the picture and the dog's walking by my side. Mm -hmm. Something where which image is the one I'm featuring is really obvious. Yeah, Uh, that's a good tip. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good basic um, tip people should be thinking about if they're selling multiple items. <laughs> um, yeah. Instagram shops are definitely a really big tool if you have physical products. And that's actually, I devoted a month to it in the membership this year. So anyone who is in the academy, they there's a whole video on what they are, why to use them, how to set them up. And there's even a little tidbit in there for kind of some workarounds for those of us who can't use shops because we don't have physical products or we don't mm. ship or they're products that are not allowed. Um, like for example, if you are a like breeder or you sell live animals, like if yeah. you're a or something, you can't use Instagram shops, but there okay. are workarounds where you can use the same structure and the same, uh, I guess, strategy to set up the, the journey that the customer goes through, it's just a little bit of a workaround because they're not actually using the shops feature. Mm. Um, yeah, that'll be useful. I've got some people who follow me who sell geckos, so that could be useful for them. Um, I was going to ask, are there 
ways on these um, Instagram shops to sell. I'm so sorry. My dog is just being nuts. Stop it. Stop. Down. I, I'm sorry. I have to move this toy. She's just obsessed. <sighs> sorry. Oh, it's all good. If there's anyone who uh, is listening to a podcast and can understand a dog barking in the background, it's someone listening Hush. to a podcast, right? Well, I'm going to edit this out <laughs> <laughs> because she is being too. Oh, now I've moved it. Now she's just barking at it. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Yep. Partner's calling her. Please go upstairs, Freya. She just wants a squeaky toy. Oh, good girl. Okay, good. Right. Sorry, back to what I was saying, which was, um, is there a way in these Instagram shops to uh, sell um, things that you don't physically have? So you're, um, uh, I've got a friend who is going to, oh my gosh, she found another one. (laughs) It's identical. Why? Okay. Um, I've got a friend who wants to make me some things, for example, and I've got other people who I'd like to commission to make me some things, but I don't actually want to um, store them in my house, for example. Is there a way to get it so that they get a notification if something gets sold or do I just have to manage it and be like, um, uh, Robin, someone's buying one of your ferret stash toys. Um, so the best please ship it to that. them now. Yeah, the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to set it up on another program like Etsy or Shopify. Okay. If it's a print-on-demand product, like from Spring or somewhere like that, you can set those up and have your own website or your own account on one of those platforms and Mm -hmm. can actually link your shop to those platforms. Okay. Your, um, you may have set up an Etsy and then the person is making like a stuffed ferret toy that's themed to your podcast, for example. Um, If that's what's happening, then you can have that listed on Etsy. And then anyone who goes through Instagram shopping is actually purchasing through Etsy in such a way that they don't feel like they've left Instagram, but Mm -hmm. they've purchased your product and Etsy is going to get the notification and it can be managed through that so that you still know who's bought what, when, and what needs to be shipped out and things like that. Okay. I think people are trying to avoid the um, Etsy commission pass. Because <laughs> that's sure. very Yeah, you, you can, there's lots of other ways to set it up. You don't necessarily, mm-hmm. Etsy itself is not the way you have to set it up. You can use right. your own website. You can use really anything. Um, but but it can all connect through. So Yes, that's the best way to get okay. it to connect through in a way that other people will get automatic notifications as you need to. Um, mm-hmm. Also, some integrations with like Zapier and things like that that can be set up uh, that I'm not personally familiar with the best way to set those formulas up. Um, But in terms of if you're just doing an Instagram shop and you are hosting it entirely on Instagram and not linking it to any other websites, then I believe the only people who are going to get notified of that are people who have access to manage your page. Right. You'll need to then send that information to whoever needs to have it. Okay. Well, that's a possibility for sure um, for lots of people, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. Sorry. I've, they've given me lots of things to ask you. <laughs> um, 
So for a small business, how much um, is it possible to actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. Um, For a small business, um, how possible is it to be quite profitable using Instagram or Facebook or um, other social media? Like, is it possible to um, be a successful business person, like, in today's day and age with a small business or? Absolutely. I would say that the main, um, the main leverage point there is just how much you're putting effort into creating a profitable strategy that converts and then actually following up and making that strategy happen. Okay. Um, and I find that's the only bit that's more difficult for small businesses because they often are the ones who are less likely to have either the time to do it themselves or the budget to outsource it to someone like me um, Mm -hmm. for your biggest challenge is going to be because you are going to need to do one of those things. Um, Right. I mean that you, that it's not going to be a full-time job, but it is going to take, you know, one or two days out of your month when you add it all up, you Mm -hmm. know, that doesn't mean one full day and then you don't touch it for a month. If you do it an hour a day, or if you do it a couple of hours, on Mondays or whatever, um, it's going to take some time out of your schedule if you're trying to do it yourself. There are mm-hmm. ways to minimize that. So you can, for example, one of the things I teach is to create your content strategy for the month and then create all that content and schedule it out ahead of time. Right. You're trying to decide every single day what you're going to post that day. It's much better to plan a content and schedule all that content and batch it. Yes. Mm. Um, It's going to save you a lot of time. Um, But the biggest thing is uh, the time of engaging with other people is something that you can't really get away from. Yeah. Especially if you do not have an advertising budget, because the less money you have to give these platforms to, to show your content to people, you're going to have to go the organic route and actually reach out and create connections with people to get your content seen by more people. Um, Mm. That's where a lot of people end up feeling like they don't have the time to do that. Um, And a lot of times they don't have the budget yet to outsource. Um, So that's part of why I created the Academy is sometimes the hurdle isn't time. It's not feeling like you know what to do. And it's feeling like you just, I'll do it, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how Mm -hmm. that's where the Academy comes in or you can even maybe hire a part-time assistant who can go through the academy or who can go through YouTube even and just learn these things. Um, wow. Obviously my academy, I would like to think is going to be more helpful for you than YouTube because it's got also the built-in mentorship of me being there to at- answer any questions that you have and help you plan your content and things like that. But at the end of the day, even if you... If, if you have some kind of middle budget of hiring an assistant that's going to cost you less than hiring a, a professional marketer and giving that assistant, whether it's my academy or YouTube or another course that you purchase from someone else, some sort of education of understanding how to do it and then just letting them, you know, letting them take the time to learn and then run with it is going to give you much better results than either trying to do it yourself when you don't know, when you know that you don't have time or trying to do it without any sort of education of what are the leverage points where 
I need to spend this time to actually get results. I really want to hear about your academy soon, but I've got a few more questions. So. Okay. <laughs> but you're yeah, very keen. Um, so one thing that people are asking me is, is Instagram, and it feels a bit silly to ask you this since you're basing your whole um, academy on lots of this, is is Instagram as a platform oversaturated now or is it still a viable, like the best option for pets? Like is it just the best that exists right now or is it on the decline? Or, right. Uh, so I would say um, in terms of, is it oversaturated in terms of how many other pet businesses or pet influencers or what have you are on it? Are there lots of other people on the platform? Yes. Yeah. That's why you want to be there because mm-hmm. also the millions of users that you have on that platform are also your customers. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you shouldn't look at it as there's 10 other pet photographers on Instagram You should look at it as there's 10 times more people who want pet photography on Instagram. Mm. Um, You're going to always, no matter what platform you go to, you're not going to be the person there that does what you do. Um, Obviously, the more niche your service is, the fewer direct competitors you're going to have. But at the end of the day, Instagram is still, in my opinion, the best platform for finding people who are not just pet owners, but pet parents who want to take the time to look at your content. Mm. Um, Because the the only exception where there's somewhere else where people are spending a lot of time on on that platform talking and learning about pets is if you're on Facebook and you're in a Facebook group. But building those groups and finding those groups where you're allowed to talk about the mm. <laughs> your products when you're not the one who owns it and things like that can be much can be difficult it's definitely a strategy that I personally use and I like it but I don't that is each Facebook group is its own little private circle that you want to be a part of it's not a huge platform like Facebook overall is. and mm. as far as the big platforms where you need to have a presence and you need to be you know For example, most businesses, if you don't have a Facebook page, people will write you off and not take you seriously as a real business. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a website, people will write you off. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Facebook is the place where you're going to find all your customers because it can be very difficult to actually build authentic connections there just because of the way the platform is set up. Uh, Instagram, the way it's set up, you are able much more so to reach out and and find people and start conversations as a business and still find your ideal clients and talk to them. Mm. Um, And you're able to showcase because it's really focused heavily on that feed of your pictures and videos, someone can come and they're much more likely to come to your page and binge your content Like if someone comments on my page and I'm just a general dog mom, Mm -hmm. business I've never heard of comments on my page. If I go over to their Instagram account, 
I'm going to just literally flip through all of their content, like for however long it is I decide I want to learn about them. I'm going to watch their stories. I'm going to look at their posts. On Facebook, it's a lot less likely for someone mm. to do that, to go over to your Facebook page and just scroll down through your last 20 posts. Yeah, um, no one does that. <laughs> yeah, people just don't do it the way they do on Instagram. So yeah. I think it's, it's much easier to connect with people. And right now, especially for a small business that doesn't have a big advertising budget, that organic, authentic connection is 100% where your power is in, in using social media to grow your business. Yeah, I really hope that that is um, comforting to this person because she's feeling quite defeated, apparently. And um, she was feeling that it's hard nowadays to get a decent following um, and she's getting way fewer likes than she used to. So it's like, uh, so that is pretty comforting though, that if she's reaching out to people that she should be able to get a few more interactions. <laughs> yeah. And so, there's yeah. Um, it, one thing that will help with that is if you do feel like it's oversaturated and you have a lot of competition, make sure that you really keep reminding people of what your unique selling point is. Mm. It makes you different from your competition. What is it that is unique about what you offer? Um, and for some people, it might be just your local area. Like you yep. see your competitors as 10 other dog walkers who you know and love and think they do a great job, but they're over there and you're here in this city, in this neighborhood. So focus maybe should be finding people in your local area to interact with and finding people who are going to your local dog park. Um, and that's one angle you can use. Or if you are um, going back to the dog harnesses, why is your, why is your harness better? Um, I recently worked with someone um, who has a product called Headlight Harness, where the center, in the center of the chest on the, on the dog's harness, there's literally <laughs> headlight. And it acts as your flashlight as you're walking your dog. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's super great. And they so cool. <laughs> make the harness itself a great product, even without the headlight. Um, so like that's a selling point that where that extra safety, that be it being hands-free, all that stuff is their unique selling point mm. harnesses. So focus on what makes you, you and your brand and your products different. And if you don't feel like anything does make you different, like maybe you sell, maybe you're a reseller for ferret products that mm. You can also find those products on Amazon or, or on the company's website. Well, what is different about using your website? Is yeah. it that you focus solely on ferrets? So it's really easy to just to focus on all the products and know that every product here is good for ferrets. And it's not, you know, for me, when I was shopping, when I had ferrets, I'm like, okay, this says it's for ferrets and guinea pigs and hamsters and bunnies. So is it really good for <laughs> or is it, is it just them trying to, squeeze in one more animal that'll buy it like yeah so like maybe your website you know that it's well rated for ferrets maybe you have better customer service maybe you have something else that's not actually the product that's better mm. um so just think about that if you don't have a unique selling point you sh you should <laughs> like <Yep. laughs> either make your product better or make your customer service better like uh, pitch better yeah yeah something so something. In any business, this is kind of a little off track, but in any oh, business, fun. you should strive to be the best in at least one of three different areas. 
either you have the best quality, you are the most convenient, or you have the best price. Hmm. Like you got to be one of those three or else you don't really have a reason to exist as a business. You are not better for your customers than your competitor. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that by having one of those three, you're better for everyone. You may be the person that someone comes to for convenience. Maybe you cost a little bit more, but you are able to ship next day or you're able to like the difference between going to the pet store or buying from an online business sometimes really is just the convenience of having a ship. So can we be the thing where everything else is equal? Or price could be the thing where everything else is equal, but you're able to come in at a little bit better price. Or quality could be the thing where you do cost more, but you have a good reason to because your your products are better or your services are better. Um, so those are the three, just in any general business. Um, those are the things you want to focus on. You want to be the best in at least one. Or, um, you know, obviously, if you're the best in all three, then you win. But people can hit maybe two, but not all three. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely got me thinking about my future plans for sure. (laughs) Um, and so now I would like to get on to your academy and your monthly um, what was it, monthly membership? Um, please tell me all about that. Yeah, absolutely. So First Social Academy is a monthly membership. It is currently $97 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes with uh, every month we put out a new masterclass on something related to online marketing. And we do focus heavily on Instagram. Um, but we also may put out something about writing blogs or may put out something about email marketing, um, anything that could tie into uh, your online digital marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a, that's the first video that comes out every month. The following week, there's a live Q&A about that masterclass. If you have any questions whatsoever, um, you also have the opportunity to ask those questions within the Facebook group, but some people find that it's better to, you know, they want to have that conversation face-to-face. So that's what the live Q&A is for. Mm-hmm. Um, the following week, there is a goal planning session for the next month. So what are your business goals? For this month, what does your schedule look like? What do you actually have time to do? And when are you going to do those things? Mm. Um, and then the final thing every month is your social media content planning, where we talk about, you know, what's happening this month? What sales do you have? What holidays are coming up? Um, what are the things that you want to focus on in your content? And then by the end of that session, um, you should ideally have your post ideas for whether you're posting three times a week or once a day, you know, if you're posting once a day, you should have 30 ideas so that you can roll right into creating. Mm. Um, And then uh, also after every single one of those sessions, so four times a week, we also have um, a weekly co-working session, which is basically every Monday. Um, Mm. And that is literally just sitting on a Zoom, and talking, you know, at the beginning of the Zoom, so what are you going to get done? We have about an hour. And then you basically just make yourself a checklist of something you think you can get done in an hour and you are able to focus on it. Because I find that there's a lot of people when they're 
working alone, it's much more difficult. It's much easier to get up and go do the laundry or flip on. Definitely. (laughs) Then forget that it's not supposed to be background noise. Like forget that it's supposed to be background noise and actually start watching the episode. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whatever it is that can distract you. Some people find it a lot easier to focus if there's someone else that's working with them. You can't see me air quoting with working with them. Oh, I can hear. (laughs) I can hear them. (laughs) Working alongside um, and doing whatever they're doing. So if you are someone who finds that helpful, we do that pretty much weekly. Um, Mm. And I also try to check in every 15 or 20 minutes. Be like, hey, are you on Facebook or are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So you've got the masterclass, a live Q&A, a goal planning session, a social media planning session, and then weekly, um, weekly co-working sessions. So basically Monday, we've got something for you. Um, and that is, uh, that's the Academy. And you also get the recordings of everything that's already happened. So all the master classes we've done going back to the beginning of this year, you also have loaded in as well that you can go through anytime. And you have the private members Facebook group where you can ask any question at any time. So if you're going back and you're watching a video from six months ago and you have a question, you can ask that in the Facebook group. Um, I also have a team um, of other professionals. I consider myself our Instagram slash social media person, but I also have a branding expert, an SEO and web design expert, and a general organization expert who are all three also part of the membership and they're in the Facebook group to ask questions, to answer questions, sorry. Yep. So um, with the uh, three things you have for a business, what makes you better or? (laughs) Uh, So for the academy, I would say that um, it's going to come in on a probably a quality level. Um, Mm. For some people, it may be on a price level because a lot of the people that I've found that are willing to put in the amount of time for group coaching that this is, because it's a membership, but it really is. If you actually put in the effort to ask the questions, to watch the videos, it really does feel much more like a group coaching program. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm there for. I, I'm not someone who, this is not buying a course and then paying for it month to month instead of paying a thousand or two thousand dollars up front. It's not yep. a where you get the videos and maybe I'll talk to you, maybe I won't. It is there where if you have a question, you're going to get an answer. Mm. And there are, um, people who charge $300 or more a month for group coaching. Yeah. So, um, in that aspect, um, it is actually a better price because it's only, mm-hmm. not, it's important to me that, uh, I provide as much as I can within that price budget. Um, then it also is, um, the lowest program that I have available. Everything else that I offer starts at $500 a month and goes up okay. into the, the thousands um, depending on how hands-on it is and how much your ad spend is and things like that. Mm. But so this is also the lowest price program that I have. Um, it's going to be also in terms of convenience, um, it's something where you can watch the videos anytime you want. Um, it's not the type of thing where you can expect it to happen without you. Like the Mm. level there is where my higher level hands-on program are going to rank in convenience because I'm doing the work for you. Um, (laughs) As with the Academy, you do have to do the work and you do have 
come and be a part of the meetings. If for some reason you can't make it though, you do have the recordings. So you can do it whenever is convenient for you. You just won't necessarily get quite as much benefit as you would from being on the meetings live. Um, but let's say something in the Q&A wasn't like, didn't answer a question that you had and you weren't able to get on there live. You can still ask that question in the Facebook group and you can still get your answer. Um, and if you find that it's a question you feel like isn't going to really translate over text, like you want me to show you something, sometimes I'll actually even still go in and just record something real quick to post in the group so that you can see, you know, a walkthrough of, you know, what does Metricool look like or how do I sign into this thing? Um, mm. Then I'm happy to still do some quick recordings for that kind of stuff if it's something that can't just be answered in text. Mm, you sound really involved. Um, I was going to ask what time of day and what time zone are these meetings because I've got international listeners, so I want them to, you know, know that it's possible for them to come. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's usually 3 p.m. Eastern uh, U.S. Mm -hmm time for the meetings and then 4 p.m. U.S. Eastern time for the co-working sessions. So they follow oh. right after the meeting. Um, but again, if someone isn't able to, to come to them live, they are recorded and uploaded into the members area. Um, and anyone who is a member, they get a login for that members area where they can view all the recorded videos all the way back to the beginning of the year. Hmm. So still very useful for people, even if they're Australian and it's like, 1am or something for them. <laughs> um, so did you have any more uh, help you could maybe offer some of the people who listen to my podcast? Uh, honestly, yes, but that's such <laughs> a broad thing that it, I probably have an answer to any question you could ask, but I don't have a good thing kind of off the top of my head right now that's very broad yep. just how how can I help the biggest thing I've already mentioned which is just be authentic um mm -hmm. so try to be consistent um mm. do know that you know someone from Instagram's marketing team said you need to post three posts a day and five reels a week and seven stories a day and that sounds insane to you then it's okay to do what you know you can do um, it's okay to post three posts a week and a story when you can think about it maybe once a day or post, you know, one reel a week. It's okay to pick a number that is reasonable for you or for your team and be consistent with that number. It's much mm -hmm. to post three times a week every week than to post 30 times in one day and then not post for a month. Okay. Is that algorithms thing? It's partially that, and then it's also staying top of mind among your actual course. Mm. Like if I see you not post, if you don't post for a month, I probably don't see your content for a month and I don't think about you for a month. And then you post yep. times in one day. Well, I'm going to see you for sure, but I might see you so much that you <laughs> annoy me and I'm done with you for the day and I unfollow you. Mm. So you want to make sure that you're um, just striking that consistency of um, it's good to be passionate and, and to have, you know, set good goals as far as like, well, I'm going to post 10 times a day. Okay. But are you going to want to post 10 times a day when you've been posting 10 times a day for six months, or are you going to reach a point where it doesn't feel like it matters enough for you to do it? And then you stop. Mm. 
Yeah. Better. It's much better to post once a day and not overwhelm yourself and know that you also, the other thing is I find a lot of people who tell me that they want to post 10 times a day and then they show me their content and there's not really a lot of meat to it because they can't think of actual things to post 10 times a day. So they end up with a lot of fluff. Mm -hmm. I'd rather see one post a day that's quality than 10 posts where there's one quality post and nine like random quotes that don't even have to do with what they talk about. Okay. Yeah. That's not me hating on quote posts. Those can be (laughs) like, they, you don't need to overdo it to where when you actually post something of value, it doesn't line up with what people expect from you. Mm. Yes. (laughs) So my brain's just like, um, very full of Instagram tips now, which is fantastic. I've got more things to do tomorrow now (laughs) and hopefully listeners feel the same. Um, So what's your website again? So we can finish on that. Absolutely. Uh, So my website is um, scarletshoeplot.com and I'll let these in the show notes so that people know. Yeah, for sure. Um, You can also find me at scarletshoeplot is my handle on Instagram and uh, Scarlet Sheeplot Fan is my handle on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you look up Scarlet Sheeplot on Facebook, you're going to find two. You're going to find me twice. And one is my personal profile, and one is my page. So just make sure okay. you're in the page um, because that's where any actual social media stuff is going to go. If you go to my personal profile and try to friend me, I honestly I don't friend people I don't know. So you're going to not get on there. But you're going to be able to see stuff, and it's all going to be you know, the next Magic the Gathering card game <laughs> event that I'm running or the next, you know, uh, D&D session or something silly. Sounds like. fun to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, if you are a D&D nerd and you want nerd things, then go there. But, <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking for Instagram tips, online marketing, then, um, then you're looking for the professional page. And then I also have a Facebook group, a free Facebook group. Uh, I believe it is Ooh. called Instagram profits for pet professionals by Scarlet Shoeplot or something along those lines. We'll get you the link for the show notes. Okay, fantastic. But that's also just a, a, a group where you can ask questions, even if you're not an Academy member. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nice value there. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, I hope to see you around the internet. And thanks again for all your time you've given us. Absolutely. It was great. It was great to be on. Bye.